Hello and welcome! You're listening to the Pods of Castamir. It's your host, Rushab, here again, and then my co-host, Kyle, is here as well. What's up? He says, what's up? Um, so thanks for listening to our, it's not really our second episode, it's our first mini-sode. So, um, just quick expl- explanation of that. Um, got a lot of requests about spoilers. I'm not going to not do the full episodes without, by promising that there'll be better, that there'll be less spoilers. It's not the kind of show I want to do. I want to talk about things more holistically and freely kind of get into the more of the the broad stuff um just to let you know if you've seen all the show you're good basically you don't have to read all the books because the show's ahead of the books and the stuff they haven't covered yet uh, some of it's not going to happen at all and it's all going to be so by the end of the last season it's so radically different that you really can't be spoiled at this point like even the stuff that i've that hasn't happened in the books yet that i think will happen in the show it's it the way characters are and the way the world is and the way I know they're cutting out characters, it's just not the same experience, so don't worry about it. Right. However, if you aren't caught up on the show and you haven't read, and you aren't also fully caught, you could not, if you've read all the books but you haven't caught up on the show, that's fine, but I'm sure you're not in that situation. So just, yeah. If you're not caught up on the show, just listen to the minisodes because the minisodes, I've made them now so that you can get a 100% spoiler-free experience. We won't talk about anything that actually takes place from 297 AC further, which is 270 years after Aegon's conquest. AC means after conquest. Um, and that's when the show and the books both began. Everything will take place right up to that, but not not, uh, not past it. Right. Alright. So, without further ado, the name of this episode is called um, Here Be Dragons. I think it's a natural lead-up to our next two-part episode, which is the only two-part episode we'll have this season. It's about uh, House Targaryen, which I had to split in two parts because it's just going to be so much to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is definitely um, a good episode to lead into that because it, you know, obviously dragons are a big part of their history and part of uh, their governance strategy, actually, in Westeros when they got there. So, um, definitely check out the Facebook page we made about the Targaryens. Lots of good information there. We got a uh, family tree, maps of both Valyria and um, the Crownlands. Yeah, it's a very good deal. We have uh, FP pages that I've made um, with, you know, kind of fad fan fiction in the about section. So if you don't recognize some of the quotes there, it's because I wrote them. They're not real, but they deal with some nice historical stuff. No spoilers there either. I've made sure once again that it's all stuff that doesn't deal with anything past um, 287 AC. The one exception would be um, my quote for Oberon Martell. That doesn't matter though because he doesn't enter the books or the um, show until that point in the period anyway. So right. we're good to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that should be great. Um, check those out for sure. Give them a like, share, whatever. They tie into the show very well. And without further ado, we will start with Here Be Dragons, Minisode number one. Woo! Alright, so dragons, of course really unique part of this this book series slash show. Um, fun fact, despite how unique and interesting, not unique rather, because dragons are in all right. high fantasy almost. Rather, it's, they're very, they're dealt with very uniquely, which what you'll find out through um, this this uh, short episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right at the start, George R. R. Martin actually didn't want inc- did, wasn't thinking to include them in this. He wanted to have it be a, a series without dragons whatsoever. And actually, he was kind of like compelled by a long conversation with an author friend um, while he was um, in the process of planning out and writing the first Game of Thrones book, or rather the, the Game of Thrones, the first book in the series. So, right off the bat, dragons weren't always integral to the series, but they ended up being that way. So, mm-hmm. fun fact. And then, so the origins of, origins of dragons, going back in history, there have essentially always been dragons for the most part, from what people know. They're, though they become more of a legendary figure, and we'll get more to that in a second. But um, they apparently evolved and grew and started, at least from what people thought, in the um, shadow of Ashai. Ashai being a more mystical city that's uh, very, very ancient, older than almost any civilization in the far east of Essos on the shore. Now, what is the shadow of Ashai? 
the shadow is the region surrounding it. Okay. Um, so like the Dothraki Sea, for example. Vice Dothraki is the capital of the Dothraki Sea, and then... So it's like the suburbs of Ajay. Um, it's more like... The, it's more like the region it was the tri, <laughs> I would the call tri county area in which Ashai sure. is sure none of what you just said is a, an appropriate analogy no, so it's, no. it's, one to one. <laughs> it's much bigger it's than one that to one. all right well if you want to have incorrect information listen to Kyle yeah. all right <laughs> anyways the shadow of Ashai but also it seems as though they're coming from farther south and east so that's um the continents of uh, Sothorios and Olthos um I'll probably get into that actually I want to make Season two about more of stuff like this, but um, so those are the things people know very little about. George R. R. Martin intentionally designed them essentially to like kind of on a high concept field show how at least in this point of any point of uh, you know history and development you just there are certain faraway lands that you just don't know a whole lot about, so it's all very much you know speculation. Olthos we know almost nothing about. Actually, we don't even know if it's actually a continent or just a larger um, offshoot of Sothorios or Olthos. That's how little we know. And then Sothorios we know a little bit about. But mostly, it's only populated on the northern sphere. And even that's very, very savage. Is it literally um, just west area, east area, north area, and south area? With the exception of Olthos, because I don't know where the hell that comes from. But yeah. So no one knows, like, is Olthos, where is that geographically located amongst the continents? Well, it's actually, yeah, it's, uh, it's south and to the east, essentially. Oh. Yeah, so it's a very, that's why it's hard to tell. No one's really gone past it to really see right. anywhere. And yeah, so they're both very densely jungled and difficult to traverse, and no one's not even, every attempt to populate them or advance in them has met, been met with just failure. We won't get too far into that one until the season two sort of thing. Right. Just know that they're there, and they are very much a here be dragons sort of place. It's the unknown. Right. It's, uh, you know, makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So that could be either true, or could just be wild speculation by people who didn't know a whole lot about an um, exotic area and want to just attribute things to it. Regardless, they're considered native to Essos, but they were um, historically on Westeros for several centuries. There have actually been dig sites, etc. People have uncovered dragon bones. And dragon bones are very thick and they're black. Um, they're actually very high in iron, uh, iron content. So they're sought after by smiths and by s merchants from all over, basically for sale. Um, and they're hard to get, obviously, because they're rare um, for a few reasons. And we'll get back to that later on when we start talking about later dragons. But... Uh, so the best place to hatch them is near volcanoes, and the way this be kind of became known essentially is that um, uh, the Valyrians, which were an ancient civilization, um, they're actually going to be covered in the next episode, so we won't talk too much about them, but they stumbled, they were originally sheep porters, and they stumbled across dragons roosting in the 14 flames, which are massive volcanoes um, the south of the, or actually in the middle of their peninsula that they call their home. Um, and it's not very clear what happened, but eventually they domesticated them. Um, what's not known exactly how, um, what magic they used. The magic was definitely involved. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called blood and flame magic, apparently. There's a few different types in this world. Elemental magic, divination, skin changing, glamouring, and necromancy. Hmm. Um, and then shadow magic as well. There's a whole like different thing. But this is the one that this one is blood and flame. Sure. Um, is the type of magic they used. Sounds but it's, it's not very clear what that is or how it works. Sounds pretty badass. Yeah, and this is like... This is thousands upon thousands of years ago. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're talking, like, I think it's a little bit after the, f the first men came, but it's, like, you know, it's still very old. Um, this is obviously in Essos. Um, and to first perspective, it's, like, it's almost central Essos, but it's more, it's, it's kind of western, a little bit western. And it's the peninsula just jutting off the bottom. Once again, if you look at the map that I posted in House Targaryen on the FB page, you'll get a good idea of what's going on there. Um, so, yeah, essentially they eventually not only domesticate them, and basically they came with their super weapons. They conquered and created a huge empire. 
um, with those, um, and they were there were literally hundreds of thousands of dragons in this empire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once we don't know exactly how the magic bond happened, um, they can be domesticated, but it takes a long time, or at least they see there's a connection between the Tar uh, not the Targaryens, but the Valyrians and people who are from there that have certain blood ties. The blood's very important, apparently. That's why it's blood and flame magic. Mm -hmm. Um, if I sound vague, it's because there really aren't very many details on how this works. Yeah. Um, and it's not because I'm avoiding spoilers. It literally is not a whole lot. Right. It's meant to be one of the more, you know, yeah. mystical parts of the show. It's, a, yeah. it's an ancient history, much like mm -hmm. the level of unknowledge that we have with our yeah. ancient history. Exactly. Um, that's why I kind of like about George's writing as well, is that he's very good at universe building, at least, mm -hmm. and keeps things realistically unrealistic in a way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so biologically, um, they're very inter they're extremely interesting and very um, different from other books. So they only eat cooked meat. Um, they'll refuse to meat eat raw meat. But that's um, Kyle brought up a good point earlier when we were discussing this episode and the content earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we've never seen a, a dragon forced to starvation and see if it'll eat one. But right, whether or not it's biological, like mm -hmm. as humans have a biological. Yeah. Well. I guess it's not biological, because for a long time we were fine with raw. You know what, actually, Kyle, I just remembered, and we have seen that, um, and you're wrong. They refuse to eat, even when they're uh, very, very small children, and there's uh, raw meat put in front of them. They will simply go for days and get sick if they won't eat. Ah. So, yeah, they will only eat cooked, eat cooked meat. And so that brought up a few other questions. No one really talked about this, so I thought it would be interesting to just bring it up. Does that mean, it might, it could, it could, could really just be a taste thing, but then they're, if they're going to get sick and hungry over it, it's... Right. But then that, the, the example I'm thinking of is baby dragons, so perhaps, you know, they're just being, you know, we're, when we were, I shouldn't make the exact cultural, right. you know, connection between humans and uh, animals like this, especially fictional animals, but, you know, yeah. maybe they're just being stubborn. But, yeah, it's, it, could that also mean that they're very sensitive or at least um, susceptible to bi micro microorganisms, you know? They need to be able to cook their meat, much like humans, in order to eat mm -hmm. it without um, becoming sick, in which case, is that a major weakness of theirs? Right. It certainly has never been exploited, at least um, not in any of the, the lore that's been, exploited, um, been explored at all. But um, speaking of diet, um, it also doesn't seem like they eat any vegetables. They might be completely carnivorous. Um, I feel like that's pretty safe to assume at this point. Yeah, that they only eat meat. And when I say they only eat meat, I mean any meat. Yeah. Humans of any size, babies, children, adults, whatever. Yeah. Um, Sheep, goats, anything that, you know, has flesh, has a protein content in its skin, it'll eat them. Right. Um, and, and they aren't, um, they, they are considered extremely intelligent animals um, that comes to communication as well. They, that's the domestic, this is the part that's kind of lost because of history. Um, it's not completely clear how it's done. They can't understand commands, especially from people who are, you know, have the special blood. Um, but they, obviously you can't have a conversation with them. Like, you know, it's more of a much a, a very, very intelligent dog, so I put it, you know, you can get them to do certain things like pokemon <laughs> yeah but they've been used for like warfare for um smithing for all sorts of things much like pokemon um, and they're <laughs> so the saying goes that they could never be truly tamed but that's something kind of they kind of just say and i don't believe that only because the valyrian empire was the greatest empire um or at least said to be one of the greatest empires ever and from what i've seen of artwork of it and stuff like and also from some of the ruins like these were like Bigger buildings you'd ever than you'd ever see in um, King's Landing or any other place. And they were huge, and they were and they, they basically had their, they had their hundreds of thousand dragons free range across the entire peninsula. Like it was a huge area, and if they weren't extremely well trained or at least very you know used to people, mm -hmm. things go bad. Right. And it's not just because everyone who was you know a Valyrian had that blood. Uh, that's what made them special. But um, 
you know, there was, the, we'll get into this next episode, there was tons of slaves, like, they became a slave empire, so there were plenty of non-Valyrians <laughs> there. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's not even clear if every Valyrian was this way. Um, it might have been a little bit, little bit different, because I know the, the, dragon, the dragon lords were the highest of, like, basically the, uh, the families there um, in the Freehold. So, once again, not totally clear, there's not a whole lot of evidence, but... With that said, I do think they could be completely, at least, if not truly tamed, I believe they can at least be integrated into human society, because you cannot have these weapons of mass destruction flying around um, and just, like, say, oh, they're never, they're, they're wild animals. It's like, no, if they were a wild animal, <laughs> they would behave like a wild animal. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's more true, um, because of this next fact, um, there's not really clear if they ever die of natural causes or if they all have a certain age. The oldest dragon was Balerion, the Black Dread, who is the... Uh, the dragon of Aegon the Conqueror, but also he was actually alive well before and well after him as well. Mm. Um, and he grew to be the size um, big enough that he could eat an aurochs or even a mammoth with a single gulp. So that's massive. Sure. Um, if you can look up pictures of him, like um, he doesn't like mount him the way he would mount a horse. He just stands like on a small part of his back. <laughs> and it's like he's, he's like he's on like a jumbo jet basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's flying. And when you think about that, yeah. So that that brings us to the point of their fire breathing abilities. So, um, a small dragon, obviously, you know, could cook a small piece of meat. Bigger dragon could set some men on fire. Um, Valyrian could melt steel, melt castles with his flames, mm. which is, once again, this, this universe obviously doesn't have nukes, doesn't really have chemical weapons I've seen, but they have dragons. Well, <laughs> and wildfire these are, could be a, a similar thing I, yeah. to a chemical weapon. And I was thinking of that. Wildfire existed in real life as well. It's called Greek fire. Um, but I've, uh, from what I've read, it is um, slightly related to magic, and actually that actually brings me to my next point. Dragons are intrinsically related to the level of magic in the world when they are, and also the, the, the seasons. Um, mm. When magic, when um, dragons were present, um, summers were longer, winters were shorter, and magic was stronger. So it's really the proximity of to dragons as well. Right. But essentially, like you know, certain things, and the and the maesters have noted not that it's a seasons thing, but since what, um, since dragons were um, when dragons were available. Um, or not available, but uh, alive. Wildfire is actually more potent. And it's less potent now because uh -huh. of that. So it is based on Greek fire and works like Greek fire, but obviously Greek fire wasn't magic. So <laughs> Says you. <laughs> Says reality and history no. and the fact that there aren't dragons in real life now. You know, at some <laughs> point in one of these mini episodes, you might want to talk about uh, both of those things as concepts, like uh, especially like the seasons, yeah. is, with how oft they are mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. That should be a mini episode, actually. Yeah, exactly. Seasons, because that's a very difficult. <laughs> no one knows. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a weird thing to talk about. Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess summer is going to be few centuries, not centuries. But like no, no, yeah, this is. The, they're currently in a period in the show and in the books, like they're leading to is the long summer. Yeah, it's a very long one relatively, but. They're afraid that means it's going to be a very long winter. But yeah, we, we shouldn't get that now because we're talking about dragons. Right. But just know that, yeah, dragons mean longer summers when they're around. Sure. Um, yeah, and also what's interesting, they have no sexual dimorphism, and they're actually um, they're actually um, sexually uh, uh, also pra uh, also are have the condition sexual uh, dihermaphrodism. Um, so I'll explain all those things. Dimorphism means, like, you know, how men and women, you know, women have breasts and, you know, uh, men don't, well, they don't have the same types of breasts. You know, our, genital, our genitalia is different, etc. This is normative of Yerusha, but continue. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, yeah. We, they, you can't really tell just by certain physical features what they are by examination. It's very difficult. Yeah. And what makes that even more... I mean, yeah, and also it's been noted that some female dragons are, bigger than, are much bigger than male dragons, and some male dragons are much bigger than female dragons. 
Um, but also, I've, from what I've read, it's not always clear, like, one, because of the dimorphism, they don't even know really <laughs> if, some, if, if their drag is a male or female. Mm. And that's made even more complicated with the second thing I mentioned, the, the dihermaphrodism. Um, this is something that exists in real life, too, but mainly with just small plants and fish. Um, it's the ability to basically swap genders um, based on, you know, evolutionary requirements or... Don't earthworms um, do that, too? What? Don't earthworms do that, too? I think so, maybe. I didn't... I, when I was doing my research, I didn't notice them on an example. That sounds like something they could do. And Jurassic um, Park style, uh, certain <laughs> rainforest frogs. Yeah. Um, great reference. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so they can swap genders back and forth based on population they needs as well, which is why they can... Well. They can, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, what's interesting, though, it's actually different because, in, in, at least if someone's a, someone's a biology major or a zoology major, which we correct are. me, I believe that with uh, dimorphism, those creatures can only swap once in one direction. They can't swap back and forth at will. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And once again, we don't know all about this, whether or not it's completely at will, or if they need to have, you know, if they have, need to notice that their um, their pack or like you know that they don't have someone to mate with, so they have to swap. Right. Um, once again, we can't get in their heads. Um, what's interesting? I mean, I I would consider dragons gender fluid because of this, but I know that's like a that's a that's uh, you know that's an identity thing. So we have to actually talk to a dragon, which is you know silly right. um, to understand that. But you know, would you say, Kyle, that they could be? I'd call them gender fluid gender because of the fluid. fact that they can be any gender they want at any time. And there's also like this weird, you know, hermaphroditic state they're basically in for a second too when they change. I mean, if if you're talking like the, <laughs> if you broke down the term gender fluid on paper, I think yeah, it's they hit that requirement but like how we think of gender flu uh, gender fluidity is it's identity yeah it's more in reaction to like the social constructs of gender mm -hmm. so that makes sense yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's another thing i was going to say like you know maybe i can't apply it at all because you know how, why would a creature that never has known gender consider it's gender fluid when it's just the way it is and it's the way out and it's, it's not yeah every every dragon actually you're right you know i shouldn't even say that because Every dragon is born this way. Right. So why would it be considered fluid when they're all this way? They're agendered. Except yeah. not because they swap between genders. It's not like they're yeah. produced via budding or anything like that. They're, they're all hermaphrodites, but in the sense that they can withdraw one portion <laughs> or have another at a time. Sure. Yeah. Once again, though, these is this is like, dragons don't exactly take well to like you getting trying to get up in their business. I would imagine a lot is based on the fact that dragon wants to know us. Oh, hey, that guy was a guy. I remember because he was mating with a female. But then all of a sudden, he I saw it's a she because laid eggs. So I'm really confused. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how they realized that. But no, there's no like there's no like charts or anything where someone's opened up a dragon and tried to uh, just figure out what's going on in there. They didn't have that science project. In yeah, West probably Earth. just suicide. <laughs> they're not really tame. They like didn't they're not really dissect yeah. a baby dragon like a baby tig. Oh gosh. Yeah, and so they also get bigger over the time constantly. There's no like, uh, there's no point where they stop growing as long as they're alive. They get older and stronger. Their scales actually become more fire resistant and, str and also stronger as well and thicker. So yeah, every part of them becomes stronger, uh, unless they're raised in captivity, in which case it stunts their growth. Um, freedom makes them go at higher rates. Um, this is true of normal animals too. I mean, there's that awful experiment done. I forgot that scientist in like I believe the 60s who just like Herbals. put like a control group of monkeys in, in the wild, one with less freedom, another with even more freedom, one just like a black cell with no no one to be with. And he was like, oh, it's crazy. The monkey that didn't have any freedom at all like died right away. <laughs> it was like, and people were horrified and like, <laughs> yeah, we're you're done, you're done being a scientist. Well, we're <laughs> Not necessary to prove. So like, is captivity really defined? Is it? It's not strictly that they're just in a 
semi-confined space. It has to be like a confined, confined space. Oh, no. Well, maybe that's an over-example then. With the monkeys thing, sure. Um, but with the dragons, um, it seems to be that once they're not allowed to fly, roam, hunt their own food, etc. Right. Once they're not really free. Once they're, you know, yeah. once you've overtamed them, right. then they become okay. ill and machine. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, um, so dragons existed essentially for most of history, but um, this is going to be more covered in the next episode, so I don't want to get into it now. Um, around 153 AC, so after conquest, yeah. Aegon the Third actually was the one who had the last dragon. Uh-huh. He was born sickly and misshapen, and it died shortly after, and it was forever called the Dragon Bane after that, you know, so Bane of Dragons. Mm. Um, but, and they've been dying off slowly after that because of a, a war, which we'll also cover in the next episode, called the Dance of Dragons. Um, it was a huge um, Targaryen civil war, and almost all the dragons died um, during that. Right. Oh, and that reminds me of another thing. Uh, not only can they change their, sex- their, their gender, they can also change their color. Yeah, so blacks can go to greens, neutral colors can go to other ones. Yeah. yeah. And they seem to only come in black, green, and neutral color. Huh. Yeah, or golden, golden white. I think is what the people call it neutral. Ah. Yeah, but they can they can go back. They can change. So yeah, that's interesting. They are very versatile creatures, and it's very little known about them as well beyond what I've just said. You know, right. they're very much mystical. They're powerful as all hell. Um, you know, t- they've crushed entire hosts um, during wars, but they can. Only, they're they're not immortal by any means. They've they've been killed. and They can be killed again. Um, especially when they're younger. Obviously, like you know, Balerion has at his height. You know. It was a super weapon. Nothing could really stop him. Yeah. Um, but a younger dragon, it would take down a lot of people, but you could easily kill it, you know, if you had the right people, if you were prepared for it. There's also this, thing, this concept called dragon fear, and I don't, they descri- I, don't think it's, I don't think it's actually magic. I think it's just people seeing a goddamn fucking dragon, and it's breathing fire and eating people, and then they run, or they're petrified. Or they, you know what? I, I, I don't think it's actually, like, they, the, it, it's very vague, but some people describe it as almost a, you know, it's like a PTSD or something. Not PTSD, like most, like you know, it's like almost being glamoured. It's the way they describe it. But that glamour is its own thing. I don't think dragons glamour. I think you just saw a dragon. And it's killing people and it's about to kill you. So you, you uh, do what anyone does and just like freak out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than right. Yeah, but it's okay. Maybe they do have that ability. It's very hard to tell. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the only specific dragons have it. You know, we don't really have. Once again, we don't have very good text. There's only about six texts. That um, that are known even about dragons. Uh, most were destroyed. Um, some ones underneath the citadel, I believe. Um, it's just it's very much you know dragons are not a high priority for unknown. And um, yeah, because yeah, once again, because all the dragons are dead um, at this point in history, and been for 150 years up to when the book starts, um, all the all the the great keep used to have all the dragon bones in it, you know. But then you know after Robert's rebellion, they were all moved into. Uh, the dungeons. They're not even there anymore. Obviously, the Targaryens weren't selling their bones, which is why finding dragon bones is an amazing find, because it's a really good crafting material, once again, because of the high iron content. The bones themselves, not just the sh- uh, eggs? Nope. The, yeah, the, the eggs aren't really good for anything, except for they're they're more of a... Um, um, uh, decorative? A, no, yeah, well, they're not decorative, but they're they're a luxury good. Sorry, yeah. they're, 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 they're high-value luxury good. They do cost a lot. Right. Um, petrified dragon eggs. And so, yeah, dragon eggs don't start petrified, but after the eons when they're left out, they eventually petrify, yeah. which is all the ones that are left out nowadays are, in fact, petrified. Right. And the, apparently there are a lot more, I mean, there's a lot more, especially in a shy, um, apparently, which is most lends the credence that's where they're originally from, because um, dragons do obviously over, like anything that lays eggs, it lays more than I think will survive. Yeah. So, yeah, and so just the last thing I want to wrap up on this uh, dragon podcast is ice dragons. This is something we know the very least about. Old Nan, um, 
who is just, she lives in Winterfell, and she's an old lady who tells stories, talks a lot about them. And there have been sighting, well, not sighting, you know, legends of them mm-hmm. in the, um, the far, far north beyond the wall, on the lands of Always Winter, which are not even charted. It's just way far into the north, farther than um, even wildlings and thens and everybody go. Right. So um, apparently, yeah, there's supposed to be ice dragons in the, in the sea over there and also around. And they used to be on the northern continent more, more frequently, but... It's very unknown. They're supposed to breathe ice fire. Um, they're supposed to have basically the opposite of a of a fire. Like it, they're supposed to be bigger actually than um than uh, fire breathing dragons, and they're supposed to um mm. yeah basically have the exact opposite properties. You know, bring winter, etc. Right. So, but that's very much unconfirmed. Uh, the one thing is that um, George R. R. Martin wrote a book, one of his first books in the 1980s. So it was like a children's book called The Ice Dragon, and the universe it was in. Apparently, there's a ton of similarities with um, the Song of Ice and Fire series, yeah. but it also has some few notable differences. So I, that, I, mean, that's, I don't think it's really good evidence. It's just something there because he could, may have just thought, oh, I'm writing this new book series you know, <laughs> a, couple, a decade later. Let me just borrow some stuff <laughs> for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, I really hope you enjoyed this first mini-sode. Um, let me know if you have any questions about dragons. Um, if you do, we might actually answer them in the next two episodes. Um, once again, it's a big, you know, their history stretches, you know, tens of thousands of years. We didn't want to do one episode and they're arguably one of the most important families in the story. So yeah, split into episodes, give it a really a lot of good thought. So yeah. Uh, once again, like and share on Facebook. Please review us on iTunes. Um, subscribe on iTunes. Um, and yeah. Any final thoughts, Cal? Uh, no. I'm glad you really thought hard about that first. I wouldn't want you to leave anything unsaid. Yeah. All right. Well, Valar Dorheris, and have a good night. Goodbye. Okay,